0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: This is the Colorado Hunting Hub Podcast, where we cover hunting in the West, but mostly hunting in the destination state of Colorado. You will find information that will help you plan, prepare, and motivate you for your hunt, but also keep you updated on happenings in the Western hunting world. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy.
0: Hey,
1: everyone, thanks for listening to Colorado Hunting Hub. We got a good episode today. I hope so. It's just me today uh, talking about getting folks in the outdoors and and my viewpoints on that before we get to that hunting season's right around the corner get your butt in gear and lose that it's almost time too late to lose that weight unless you want to go on the wrestling diet i know how to do that uh threatened my buddy yesterday i was going to come take all his food out of his fridge (laughs) uh, it's not really the way to do it if there's anything you can do right now i suggested to him and and to myself. I can take my own advice. It's just doing some stretching, working on some of that mobility, making sure your, your joints and everything are loosened up. I typically can push through a decent amount, uh, out in the backcountry cause just having that stubborn attitude. But the one thing that slows you down are those, that little bit of joint pain and, and aches and Whatever that you get, uh and your muscles can feel good, your legs can feel good, your lungs can feel good, but if you got those, those are the things that can really slow you down, so make sure you're stretching and doing those sorts of things so that you can last longer in the field. You don't want that being a hindrance, or you may not you don't want to be in that situation where you can't get an animal out. That's my one concern. I'm not worried about getting in there, I'm not worried about the hunting, I'm worried about making sure I can get an animal out because you hear people talking about going 10 miles back, man, I don't know about getting a full elk out 10 miles out unless you got a party of four doing that. That would be, a uh, quite a feat. So make sure you're prepared for that. couple updates, uh, Great American Outdoors Act passed, sent it in the house. So it's on its way to Trump's desk. That's good news. It'd be something cool to, to see what that does for the out- conservation. Reminder, we have uh, only the Onyx Hunt giveaway going on. I know I gave away a bunch of things to start, but now I just got a membership. But that's still a membership, and you're going to need that membership before the season. So hit that uh, link in my show note description. Also, thanks to Branded Bills. Get some sweet apparel, hats. I wear a hat every single day, probably more than one throughout the day. Uh, So use coupon code hunting hub 20 to get 20% off. You need to get your wilderness athlete order in now. If you're coming from the flatland or low elevation, they've got a product there that'll help you with the altitude because it doesn't matter who you are. Some of us have issues with altitude and it'll kick your butt and ruin a hunt. So there's that. And then I strongly suggest I will not go hunting without it. The hydrate and recover and the energy and focus, mix those together, got a Superman, and it seriously gives you a boost that you need. And I know I'm not getting a bunch of garbage in me and a bunch of sugar. There's a little bit of sugar in it, but it's all good. Uh, that uh, is going to make me feel like crap. So it's good stuff. Also, big thanks to Big Agnes, the camping gear company. They uh, have really support, reached out and supported uh, quite a bit. And we did that episode with them just recently. So get some, check them out. If you need a sleep bag tent or pad, they got some good stuff. That's that, uh, can work great for hunters. Big thanks to victory archery for, uh, helping with supply, some arrows and Hoyt for helping give me a good deal on a trad bow. I'll uh, go through that little scenario here soon as to what I'm doing to look, check out the traditional archery area. Also, if you're selling antlers within 500 miles of Colorado somewhere, let me know. I'll come get them. So reach out if you need anything, questions, comments, concerns. um, My contact info is below. Give me a rating though. That'd be a great way to help. Really appreciate the help. I need to have some engagement of folks to to keep this thing rolling. So give me a five-star review, subscribe, uh, send me contents. I mean, you uh, know, I, mean, I just hook up with these random people that help out in, in ways. I'll get an email that'll say, hey, you should talk about this. And it just leads me down a path that's awesome. But in this episode, I kind of wanted to talk about, and this was a listener requested one. Good buddy, Jason said I should do one on this uh, since I am a outdoor educator. And these are my ideas. That's my first thought. But I, but I wanted to, to share a little bit about getting folks outdoors and we, and the, the thoughts around that, the ideas around that, and maybe some methods around that. And so these are my ideas, my thoughts, and my approach to outdoor education. It doesn't matter if that's hunting or not. We all hear these cliche phrases of getting kids outdoors and continuing our heritage. It's easy to say that. It's not as easy to do it uh, it's not as easy to recruit. It's not as easy to retain and do some of those things that are great things and they're wonderful, but we can screw it up. It has to be done in, in a correct way. If somebody has got a bad experience, they may not be interested in doing that anymore. So figuring out the correct way or the most effective way to do those sorts of things is kind of the, uh, kind of an important thing. I can tell you, my wife will never ski again, because she had a very bad first experience and anytime that comes up up comes the story so that was that experience and even though we live in colorado we don't ski we don't snowboard and part of it is comes down to that but also i like hunting more so again i don't have the answers uh to how and why we are, should be getting folks outdoors uh and what age and who and how Uh, But I can share what I know and what I have observed in working in this field for over a decade. I worked for the state agency doing some outdoor education. That's kind of where I got my first start. Then I went into the classroom and was doing some things with kids uh, in the outdoors through a club. And then now I do that as a full-time job and still just building a department. I'm I'm not a, a veteran expert, I would say, on that. But here's what I've observed. And so let's start a little bit on the background, how you were raised, you and I, let's say, uh, if you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, how you and I were raised to love the outdoors is different than how our kids will get into it. And just being open to that idea, I think is important. I had a Red Rider BB gun, and uh, I was tasked with removing a couple of species of birds that would make a mess around the house and around our farmyard. And that's kind of where I got the start of how to shoot a gun. Uh, but dad gave me a gun at seven years old and out I went and that's, that's the way it was. Um, spent a lot of time outside and got my start kind of going on fishing trips with dad and grandpa and I, and then hit 11, 12, 13 started hitting those, those family hunting trips. One trip a year. That's about all we did. Dad was busy. Uh, and that was our trip. So we we've later expanded on that, but that's, that's where it started. I think we did a little more camping and fishing than we did hunting. Uh, but that was, that was great activity for, uh, for a kid like myself. So how you and I are raised and how we got into it is different. So if you're raising kids, I'm raising a a kid right now, he's only two, just over two and how he's going to get into it is different. And I just need to come to terms with that and try and figure out how I can get my kid to appreciate the outdoors. But one thing I think is important is we need to continue to create the consistent ideas to give our future generations a motive to create the community around the outdoors and create norm norms around that. What I mean by that is creating being in the outdoors is that it's a norm. It's a normal thing. Uh, eating wild game is a normal thing. If that can be in your family, you, you're doing something right. Uh, if, if it's a normal thing for your kid to want to go outside and go exploring, if it's a normal thing uh, to want to go camping, to want to go – climb up on top of a rock or whatever your adventure is that you guys like trying to create those norms and the motivation behind it with your kid i think is is uh is a key and hiking and camping will always have traction i think in this world but the hunting and fishing industry will struggle i think we've got a little upswing coming and and has has happened if you checked out the episode with colorado parks and wildlife we have had an upswing, uh, but there will always be a struggle and it'll continue to change with regulations and, uh, things are, are constantly changing and advocates are constantly trying to take some of our hunting privileges or rights, whichever state you're in away. And that's, that's a sad thing. My buddy and I, that, uh, buy and sell antlers, we were talking about that, that that could be an illegal activity in 20, 40 years. You never know. And that That's, that's something that has been fun. It's been a fun thing to go shed hunting. Uh, and we've even seen that in the last five years, how that's a little bit more regulated. So things are going to change. Hiking and camping has such a strong following that I don't see that in too much of a danger. You can disagree with me. That's fine. But hunting and fishing is where that's going to struggle. And it's because we're the minority. Fishing is much bigger following than the hunting, but, uh, that's where we need to make sure we're, we're protecting that, that, that privilege and making sure it's around. And it starts with our kids and the people, not just our kids, the people that, that we introduced to the outdoors. So from what I, what I have observed is that there's two types of people that get into the outdoors. There's those that have a peak experience that changes their life and there's the others that are living in the valley that experience multiple exposure moments and they eventually get, get going into some things and there's no real one clear moment that is, this is what changed my life and made me want to experience the outdoors. I'm the later person. I didn't have one experience. It's dad took us fishing. I remember catching a whole lot of, perch out of oakwood lake as a little kid we were me and my brother were slamming the perch that experience i remember being on the missouri river fishing out of grandpa's boat cruising on the lake and i remember reeling in some walleye i remember going to lake thompson in south dakota and slaying some walleye and we filled our our uh, our, our limits pretty quick that day Uh, I remember my first hunt. I remember, uh, everything about that hunt and, and shooting my first deer. I remember last season. And so each one is building on each other. And I didn't really have one set experience. So if you can realize that there is those people that may, it may be one experience. It may be multiple to take them to, uh, to really enjoy that. And, and, I, and there's nothing wrong with either one. So that peak experience, better be if that's that person and that's what they they get, it better be a stellar experience at the right time in that individual's life. My wife on her on her ski trip, that was not a stellar experience and it could have been at the right time. I'm wondering if she hadn't had a great experience, maybe if we had got her a lesson instead of her just jumping in with me, she might've had a much better experience with that. I'm not really sure. So small bits of exposure, uh, also can be a little less risky, take less effort, uh, and maybe show, show our kids to be a little bit more active. Um, it's always nice just to take my kid outside or we'll go hike around a little bit, right on our own property, not going too far, not going to do anything too crazy, but, uh, one of my favorite things my kids been doing lately is we walk into, walk outside or do something. it just be wow. Just that big wow. Just hearing that it's been kind of fun. The next thing is what's your objective? What do you want to share? Uh, that's where our brains go when thinking about what we want to share. Uh, and there's different subcategories. Is it do we want them to love the outdoors? Do we want them to, and how do we want them to do that? Do we want them to be campers. Do we want them to be climbers. Uh, and and that's, and I've been speaking to my kid, but there's more people than that. It may, might be a coworker. It could be just a friend, uh, somebody, what is your goal for them? What is your objective for them? And although you are setting objective for someone else, that is not necessarily the right way to do it. I know I'm speaking towards that, but I, it's realistic. If I love to camp, I want someone to go with me. So my objective is to find someone to go with me. So if it is camping that you want to share, it is climbing. You want to share hunting. You want to share fishing. You want to share, realize that it may not be that other person's objective. And therefore they're not your person to, to, or, or that activity is not the, the exposure method. So just being understanding of that. Uh, camping. Maybe the maybe way to introduce that is just through first stepping out of your deck and enjoying a good view or a sunset of some sort like that. Uh, maybe with rock climbing, small exposures with looking at different rocks and talking about climbing is not always uh, that you have to be climbing each time. So getting together with your buddies and having some beer, doing, uh, uh raising your kid and taking them outside to sh- see these things are some of those first steps. And if it is hunting and fishing, each of these have different avenues to getting them in- involved, uh, taking someone on their first hunt probably shouldn't be a big game hunt, maybe a small game, maybe a, uh, and that's what I've been working on with my wife a little bit is a turkey hunt. Maybe a duck hunt. We haven't done that yet, but that might be the next route. It'd be good to take her on a duck hunt and have her a good, get a good experience for her. She loves to fish. Uh, the first time we went fishing on the shore, had a good time, caught some fish. Uh, the time I didn't introduce it was ice fishing. We later did ice fishing. I didn't want her to freeze her butt off the first time. So she enjoyed the fishing, regular fishing in the summer. And then we she wanted to fish more and more and we ended up being doing some ice fishing and she ended up enjoying that. So figuring out a strategic method of introduction, I think is kind of important there, but there's other things you can do to other avenues that you can approach. Uh, I watched a video, my buddy put together for a state agency on catching bullfrogs and it's a small little family activity you could do, uh, and get a bunch of frog legs together. Catching bullfrogs, spear fishing, bow fishing, even down to foraging. I've been seeing a ton of stuff on foraging lately. Shed hunting, uh, some sort of specialized catch like fly fishing, maybe specialized skills like traditional archery. Uh, that's how I got my wife started. Was just a traditional bow first, and now she's got her own compound. Uh, another thing that's just been kind of recent is rock outing, looking for artifacts, that sort of thing. So having some multiple exposure ways to introduce someone, I think is kind of that, that key. So here's my approach or an approach. What is the best avenue for exposure? What's the goals for the person that you're introducing? And I kind of mentioned that earlier. Uh, but here's a couple, just have a good time. I, I think that's important. Uh, try and introduce make sure that that opportunity, that time that they are having is good. They're enjoying themselves. Maybe they're there to get their own meat or maybe they want to have an experience and be a part, a part of raw nature. And when I take my kid to the zoo, I hope I'm not making them too soft by seeing the, seeing the little animals that are, or the big animals that are just laying on a rock and doing some sorts of things and seeing that mountain lion, uh, do what it does or a wolf. Uh, but in actuality, that wolf or mountain lion or any of those predatory species rip an animal apart and it suffers. It's prey apart. And there is suffering and there is raw nature that is, that is, uh, brutal. And maybe just being a part of nature and seeing some of those, those things like a, like a bear tearing a log apart and seeing how, uh, rough that is or seeing, seeing some bucks fight and seeing one go to exhaustion and just be seeing what's real, seeing what is real, not, not in a morbid way of seeing raw nature, but to see and be a part of real life and knowing what is actuality and what is, what is real and and not animal planet fake. So R3 is a pretty common Topic and and way of approaching uh, outdoor education right now. And R three stands for recruitment, retention, and reactivation. It's a method often uh, has something to do with license sales, but I, I believe it's not just license sales. Uh, if you're recruiting, you're bringing new people in. Retention, you're getting those people to uh, continue on, and reactivation are getting those those folks that did this once. Upon a time and getting them back into it, uh, and there's challenges with each of those recruitment, uh, doing something, and that's basically what I've been speaking about. But let's go with like retention. Uh, duck hunting is a giant pain in the butt to get up really, really early to get out all those decoy decoys. You will inevitably be wet and cold if you're fishing or hunting in the in water and it's exhausting, uh, wading through some serious muck and it's exhausting and it takes a lot of work for some ducks. And I don't, I, I always think that that one is a tough one to get some retention on or, or any of the R's because it requires a decent amount. Elk hunting's no, no trip either. Not none no hunting is anything that's all that easy, but it requires a lot of attention and time and, and purpose to what you're doing. So, Keeping that rolling is, can be a little difficult to retain those, those hunters unless they really, really enjoy it and they keep doing it. So who is the best target audience? This is an argument that I think has been, been coming up quite a bit. And I'm not going to pick one. You might hear my bias in this. I'll try not to, but, uh, so if we want to target youth kids, I don't know of any hunters that's ever argued and said, uh, we shouldn't be taking kids in the outdoors. That's just, of course, silly, but like I was exposed to the outdoors, it was small little exposures throughout my childhood. So that worked for me. So who's the best target audience? Youth, young adults, adults, who? So here's my thoughts on that. The youth, they have no money, no transportation, and have to do what the family does for the most part however with the parent's support this can be a part of the family's life and create those norms i talked about and be creating those so this is where i was introduced i'm not going to say that's not the the target audience i think that that can be a really great it depends on who you are so uh if i am a parent i want to target my kid if i am a teacher. I want to target the kids and help introduce or have those small exposures. That's how I was exposed to, to the outdoor or outdoor world and how I appreciate it. Small exposures, young adults. So college to 20 some year olds, they may be flexible. They may not be tied down with a spouse or family. Um, They're, oftentimes finding what they want in the world, what they want to do, what their niche is. Uh, And it's a common time for folks to get involved. That's where they jump into something and get connected. Um, And oftentimes they're emotionally connected and and there's, or there's a connection to what's there. They start questioning those sorts of things. Uh, You're taking what you learned as a kid and you're figuring it out. So young adults could be a pretty good avenue. However, um, there they that tends to take quite a bit of motivation out of that individual. They have to want to learn. They're not under their parents' supervision necessarily anymore, unless you're a 35 year old living at your mom in your mom's basement. But you're uh, not really under their wing anymore, so it, that takes motivation for that person. Whereas a mom could sign up their kid for some outdoor event. The adults, less flexible, tough to start something new. Maybe funding is an issue because, uh, your wife's got your budget on tight. Uh, but, or maybe, maybe funding's not an issue and you can come up with a thousand bucks for some hunting gear a little easier. Uh, but one thing I find in adult onset hunters or outdoor folks is that they're willing, they have a willingness to learn. You set aside that, uh, I don't want to learn, kind of thing, or it's not cool to learn. Or it's I don't want to put myself out there to learn something. So us adults just don't give a crap sometimes, and we want to learn what we want to learn. So there's an addition, uh, another approach. But here's here's uh, what I think the kicker is on who to be educating is who wants to, who's willing to listen. They're the most fun to work with, eager to learn and willing to show up. So even if that's an adult, or if that's a young adult, or if that's a kid. Um, Kids are always fun to work with, and that's what I do for a living. Uh, But the number of uh, campers that, lifelong campers that come out of a camping class with a seventh grade class, and the number, if we're looking at percentage-wise, it's probably pretty low considering like folks that, and let let me restate that some of the, my success rate of creating a hunt, a camper out of a camping class because of that camping class might be very, very low. Uh, and so you're trying to, and that's why working with youth, youth, it's good to work in those big numbers. Or if I am working with youth, having maybe one of those peak experiences where you're doing a mentored hunt of some sort. So lots and lots of approach and and we can dive into each one and the positives, negatives, whatever, but uh, I don't really necessarily have a target audience. I chatted with uh, BHA the other day and they've got a whole thing around young adults that I think is pretty cool uh, with their R3 program and it's called Hunt for Sustainability. H4S. I think they've got they're onto something there with targeting some of those young adults, uh, because if you look at today's young adults, they're often the ones with the loudest voice. And in the last four months, I think we've seen that it's not my grandparents that are out there doing the the protesting; it's the younger people. And uh, um, I, I would say that that probably encompasses a majority of the folks speaking right now young adults imagine if we could get young adults all speaking that loudly for hunting i think that would be uh something different so here's the purpose in our educational model that in my work uh sums up just about everything and the reason for doing what we do and that's that it builds as a whole individual I'm not trying to steal my educational stuff at work, but it just makes sense to me Uh to get the reason why I want my kid to be in the enjoying the outdoors is I want him to be a well-rounded individual who appreciates nature. He appreciates the natural world uh, and use that as a way to, when he has a stressful day at work someday or at school, he can realize he can go fishing and life's okay. He can take his family uh, up on some public land someday and put his money into that. And that public land stays there. So I want it to stay there. I want him to have the same experiences that I have. I just know they're going to happen in a different way. So I want him to build some agency, having a sense of pride for the natural world and taking care of it and being an advocate for areas of concern. Uh, I have never been one to call a rep representative or send an email but I have this year. So that's something I will teach him, my kid, as I grow up. The next is that we want our our kids and whoever we're teaching to be productive citizens. We want them to be informed voters. We don't want them to be showing up at a ballot box with ignorance. We want them to know the truth and to know what needs to be protected and why. I would add to that a pride for our rights and freedoms as Americans. I mean, that's if you look at any other year, look at a European country and see what their hunting's like there. Uh, I think we would be pretty thankful for what we have here and then celebrating our history. I think it's important to note that our landscape, what it looked like before we all jacked it up in the late 1800s to early 1900s, jacked it up and, and, uh, made many species almost go extinct. Now I'm not talking about just the buffalo, but we're talking about deer and turkey and elk. Uh, but many think that that natural world has been untouched and that's not true. It was rough. And because humans came in and did what we could to bring it back, it is all, not all, all back but it's, it's in, in much better shape than it was. So celebrating some of that, I think is a good purpose for introducing the outdoors and then being educated, understanding the science of the natural world. That's what I want for, for my kid or those people that, that hunt with me and asking why things happen and how they happen. Uh, I like to, uh, it may just be in my own head, but, uh, I saw my first like horn toad last year is Inst- I know nothing about them instant questions running through my head why is that here how did he get here where does he live where is he going what's he eat where is he going in the winter all those sorts of questions and just having that inquisitive mindset when looking at the natural world to approach it uh in that manner also personal health i think it gives me a reason i know it gives me a reason to stay in shape and stay healthy yeah i want to live a a long healthy life but honestly what motivates me more is being able to get through the woods The, I've kind of covered a variety of approaches, but honestly, I think having multiple approaches with authentic, authentic experiences is probably the most, most important and authentic doesn't mean that everything goes perfectly. Honestly, some of my greatest hunting memories have been completely miserable, completely miserable scenarios where we didn't shoot a thing. We didn't see a thing. And some of those, that misery creates some of your best experiences. So being wet, being a little cold can be all right, or it could ruin something for somebody. It's a touch and go situation. But as long as everyone is safe and keeping a positive attitude with the learning mindset, I think it's all good. Uh, I gave my buddy crap on an Iowa pheasant hunt last year as it was raining and cold and birds weren't flying as much, but I was having a great time. Uh, they were complaining and whining about how this was stupid to be even be out. I was having an absolute great time, uh, and just trying to have that positive mindset and enjoying something new. It's also important to remember that different people connect to different to nature a different way. You may take someone out and have these set outcomes for the day, but even in a single snowshoeing trip with a kid or adult, they may see something that you didn't necessarily see, or you may take your kid fishing and think that catching a fish is going to be the highlight. But in fact, it was the bullfrog that she caught and she was super excited about seeing that and holding it and touching it. And it had nothing to do with fishing uh, because she just reached out and caught that bullfrog, which apparently was super quick because those can be hard to catch by hand. Now what? So ways to be a part of this whole thing. It kind of depends on, who you are, your avenues and everything. But uh it, you got to you got to find a way to to be involved in that and to recruit someone to replace you. I, I yes, we have a growing population and uh if you replace you, that's one to one and when you die and I die, we've uh, recruited one more hunter. But that necessarily isn't going to cover it because not maybe that person falls out of it later. So also, since we have a growing population, educating more than one person or showing them the outdoors uh, can help keep this thing alive. So over a lifetime, if you introduce a couple to three or four people to the outdoors, I think that's important if you really want to put numbers to it. But we want to make sure that public land is there and conservation is, is at the forefront of our lawmakers' uh, decision making when talking about the outdoors. So things that you can do is look at conservation organization. BHA is one of those hugely growing things and being involved with some of them. uh, I would start out with a membership and that's what I've done is start with memberships. And when you see some, reach out and ask those questions or be a part of a chapter of some sort. Uh, You can volunteer at outdoor education facilities or do it as a job most importantly, your kids, your nieces, your nephews, your family, friends, all of those, your neighbors. I think those are the people around you that that's where you need to put your focus in and be inviting. Uh, I've noticed a couple of Facebook pages, uh, backcountry hunters and gear. And I post a question there. Everyone is so friendly and helpful. It's really nice. And to be thankful and, and, that people are asking questions. I know, uh, we put this podcast on I hunt Colorado, but out of the 42,000 members, there's a couple stinkers <laughs> and, uh, they can really ruin things and it makes people nervous about posting questions. So us as an admin are, are working on that and taking care of that, but, um, uh, don't contribute to that. If someone said they just moved to Colorado, welcome them. Uh, if, and I realize I'm part of that transplant, so, uh, I, I was welcomed as open, open arms. And so I appreciated that. Uh, I haven't been invited on any hunts that I'm not expecting to, but when I've asked a question, it's been answered. So that's, I think that's all we can do is, is, uh, assist. And if we're divided, then that is the end of hunting for us. We cannot be divided because there's not enough of us. And I've said it in previous episodes that the outdoors isn't necessarily an inviting place. When folks say they don't feel welcomed in, in in some of those spaces, I would argue that it's the fact that it requires energy and discomfort to get involved. Duck hunting, like I said earlier, is not a comfortable thing. You're going out in the dark. Um, and it can be tricky. I mean, there's, there's a lot involved in getting in the outdoors. So I realized that there was no concrete pieces of information that you can, you can uh, take as a step-by-step process in this podcast. But what I wanted to do is just share my outlook on getting folks in the outdoors and what it takes. But I think one of the things it takes is just being open, open to get different ideas. And even if that means you allow your kid to have his iPad in a hunting blind, to keep them there, or to whatever, maybe that's okay. Uh, maybe it's not okay. Maybe um, you can you can ha- let them have that uh, fun outdoor experience in that hunting blind by feeding them sardines and crackers or whatever your hunting food is, and uh, that's kind of the the fun thing there. So introduce it slowly, and figuring out how to have those multiple exposure moments. So, if you got comments, I I, I believe we all have different opinions and ideas on this exact topic. Uh, don't hesitate to reach out. We can do a follow-up if we need to. So just my thoughts. Nothing I uh, reached out to anybody on. These are my thoughts and my thoughts only as to getting folks in the outdoors. And I hope you learned something. hope you enjoyed. Thanks for listening. Right outside of this one church town, there's a gold dirt road
0: to a whole lot of nothing. Got a deed to the land, but it ain't my ground. This is God's country.